What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Naturally Unfiltered Podcast. Starting here is truly TK from Wisco. As always, I'm your host, TK. I want to thank everybody for coming back in, tuning in again for another episode. I think this is episode three now. We're moving along with the Star Wars trilogy here. We're talking pre-Disney trilogy. But as I said before, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in, as always. It's great to have you guys here. It's another gorgeous day in the world, so we are winning all around. On today's show, we're going to get into something a little bit more of a sensitive topic. We talk about all sorts of things here on the Naturally Unfiltered Podcast, but today we're going to start talking about false prophets and how people view celebrities and idols in this day and age versus some of the people that they actually deal with on a daily basis or are more of a natural figurehead in their community who can actually do some good. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by StickerCultureShop.com. If you guys are looking to step out, stand out, express yourself, definitely go to StickerCultureShop.com. Check it out. They've got banners. They've got throw-ups. They've got t-shirts. They've got all sorts of stuff. Bumper stickers. Customization is through the roof. So if you guys want something different, don't want the usual bumper sticker or a different t-shirt this summer, go over and express yourself with StickerCultureShop.com. Tell EJ that TK sent you and he'll get you hooked up. And if you're in the Milwaukee area, definitely swing in or hit him up. He will install for a small fee that includes one free reapply if the product is not satisfactory. So get over to stickerculture get your stickers, get your custom tees, and you'll be all set for this great summer we're about to have. And as always, thanks EJ for holding it down. So we're going to start getting into our our topic for today, and this is the only one we're really going to cover, but it's about false idols. And my biggest thing is celebrities and athletes putting these people up on pedestals that are just so supremely high, and all they do is, they're they're human beings, let's start off, let's, let's break it down to the ground. They're human beings who have an ability to sing, or act, or dance, or play a sport, and that's about it. That's all they do. They do one of those few things, and they do them very well, and they do it more than anybody that you would normally know. Now, the problem with that is these people, traditionally, aren't people who are going to directly affect the communities where you grow up, where you interact, deal with you on a daily basis. Some of these people, you'll never see in your lifetime, but you'll only see through a screen on a TV or a computer, or in a video game. So to put these people on such a high pedestal, I find is a, is a really hard concept for me to swallow. And it was, you know, something that talking with my mother as a teenager, we'll get into a little bit more why I started, when I started thinking about this. But, you know, after talking to her, she kind of just said, hey, you know, really evaluate who you think a hero is or somebody of value is. And I'll be quite honest with you, she was right. Because if you look at some of these celebrities like Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and Ray Rice and I mean the list can go on and on and on and on Kareem Hunt and that's just in football I mean I could hit every sport but you look at some of these people who are figureheads that have power they have fame they have notoriety and they abuse it and what happens is is you think these people are such great people and in actuality they're not and what you're doing is you're putting all your faith and trust into somebody you've never met you've never touched or had a conversation with, nor probably will you, and you've put them on a pedestal. Now, there are exceptions to this thought process. I mean, granted, there are a lot of people and celebrities who who are great philanthropists and give back to their communities and do a lot of things with the youth, and they're there, and they're, they're figureheads, and they're great role models for their community. But the caveat with that is, is if you're giving back to the community, 
For example, let's just say a player makes $4 million a year. He's only giving back maybe $100,000 of that money. Now, granted, yes, his talents award him the ability to make that much money a year. But when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, and I want you guys to really sit down and think about this, $100,000 when you spread it out over four or five events is less than probably $20,000. Now, $20,000 in a community will barely stripe the pavement in most cities. And in a major city, you $20,000 is nothing. It doesn't really do anything. So if you live in a major city and somebody's like, here's $20,000, figure out how you're going to spend that $20,000. It's not going to go very far. You could try repaving roads. You could try rebuilding, rebuilding a community center or a park that's local, and you want to see that come back. But like I said, $20,000 isn't really a lot. And the reason why I'm bringing this topic up is because there is a person who, to me, has kind of been overindulged the last two months. That person's Nipsey Hussle. And a lot of you guys who follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you're going to know the backstory behind this. But for those who aren't, I'm going to fill you in. For those of you who live in the suburbs or outside a major city that has a metropolitan area... You don't know who Nipsey Hussle is. Me personally, there was only one time I ever heard this man's name mentioned outside of two months ago, and that was on a song that was released in 2010 called Feeling Myself by the artist Lloyd. And he had a couple verses in there, and the song was decent, and it didn't really make it very high in the pop charts. And I get that. But Nipsey Hussle is a philanthropist, a music producer, and a musical artist out of the city of Crenshaw in Southern California. And that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, let me start by backing up. And I want to I wanna make this clear. I've heard, outside of that 2010 song, Feeling Myself, a couple months ago, and we're talking probably December, January, I was listening to Spotify. Now, I don't listen to the radio. If it's not on Spotify, on my daily release, or... You know, my weekly radar or anything like that, I really don't get a chance to hear it. So if it's not top 40 or somebody hasn't suggested, hey, check out this album, check out this track, it's probably something I'm not going to find. Now, that being said, it's not to say that Nipsey Hussle's collection wasn't that great or he didn't make good music. The five or six tracks that I heard were pretty decent. There was one track or album and it wasn't like, oh my god, I've got to listen to whole albums. And there's artists like Jay-Z and Wale, Tribe Called Quest, and The Roots. There's albums they have, the Wu-Tang Clan, that you can literally listen from one to whenever, and every track is fire. Not to say that Nipsey Hussle's albums aren't that great, because there's a lot of artists that are just one-hit wonders. He's had a lot of good tracks spread over time, and that's to me, is, is astonishing and amazing. But the, the issue that I have is, is nobody knows who this guy is. And when I say nobody, like I said before, if you live outside of a suburban inner city area, he's not mainstream to you. He's not the go-to listen. He's not the person you're bumping in your car or listening to while you're getting ready for work or school or hanging out with friends. He's not your first go-to. So for a lot of us, we're struggling to understand what is so big about this person. And like I said before... He's done a lot of great things in Oakland, and I didn't know that until after he died. The issue that I have is that a lot of people are out here on social media posting pictures of Nipsey Hussle with Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, 
I mean, some of them were just so ridiculous that I, I literally sat there and shook my head. I'm not trying to take away from anything that Nipsey Hussle's done in the city of Crenshaw or ever given back to people, period. The philanthropist side, I love it. Great thing. I wish I had the money and the ability to give back to the communities where I've lived because I think that's important. But like I said earlier in the podcast, you're making all this money and you're only giving the percentage back. But then on top of that, the way you're making your money is making rap music and you're talking about shooting and killing people in the streets and this and that. A lot of people are losing their mind or excuse me, have lost their mind over the last couple months because he was shot in the streets. Whether it was controversial of the killing or not, I really don't care. I'm not there, I'm not investigating it, but I'm just saying, a person gets shot living the quote-unquote thug life, and people lose their mind. It's just like with Biggie and Tupac way back in 1996. Now, fast forward to the beginning of this week, and an article comes out, and I get into a debate with somebody on Facebook. They're closing... His Marathon Clothing Company. Now, for most of you, Marathon is a gas station company. It's actually a subsidiary of Speedway LLC. The only reason why I know is because I used to work there. But Marathon's a clothing store, an urban clothing store, and they charge probably on average 55 to $60 an item. And I went on there and looked the other day because I was kind of curious, and a lot of it's Crenshaw-based, and obviously, we're, you know, Nipsey, when he was alive, was promoting his product, promoting his city, and that's great. But he's been dead for two months, people are still holding on, and now they're upset that his store is closing. I find it funny because I went on their website and you look at snapbacks, snapback hats for $55, or $100 for a graphic tee, or $159 for some joggers. Or 250 for tracksuits. Like, seriously? People are losing their minds over clothes that they're going to overspend on. And to be quite honest, it's not even the average human being that's buying these. It's the inner city people who are wasting their money on these items. Or people who are connected through these other people or his music that are willing to overindulge and pay $100 for a graphic tee. I, I just don't get it. And some people will say, well, hey, I see you wearing graphic tees that are custom or different things that are printed on them, or you spend this. I I will be the first to tell you, I will pay $30 or more for a sweatshirt or a t-shirt that gives back to companies or gives back to a community. And I'll be honest, Grunt Style, Nine Line Apparel, they give back to all veterans, not just a concentrated amount, not just in one city or one part of a state. They give back to all of our veterans in this country. So that's the reason why I'll spend $30 or on a t-shirt or $60 on a graphic hoodie at either one of those sites because I know it's going to go back to our veterans. And without our veterans, we wouldn't have this country. I don't see any rap artists going overseas and fighting in conflicts or getting involved in military or anything or defending this country. But I do see people like Pat Tillman or Ted Williams Roger Starback, some of the biggest names in their industry and their sport, when duty called, they went. When there was conflict, they went. And then they came back. And in Ted Williams' case, he was even better than the first time. But I keep getting into debate with people about this. I get that he was a polarizing figure and that you loved his music and that you liked what he did. But don't put him up on a pedestal with Mother Teresa and Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Malcolm X. Because those people had global reach. Outside of the U.S., 
Maybe he's got in 10 countries or more. I don't know what his reach was. But if the majority of the people don't even know who the hell he is, he doesn't have global reach. And those people I mentioned previously, those people had a global effect on a lot of people. And it wasn't just about making money or promoting themselves. They could have cared less. Hell, Martin Luther King gave his life for equality in the 60s. Gandhi gave his whole life, gave up all his worldly possessions to help others. Let's talk about Nelson Mandela. The man was in prison falsely for, what, 30-some years? And came out and was president and gave back to the people that imprisoned him. But he gave back. And he did it, and his impact was globally. When Nelson Mandela died, the world stopped, pretty much. A lot of these people, all these people that I talk about, or that I just referenced, when these people died, the world kind of stopped collectively. It took a couple days. And when a lot of these musicians and sports athletes, they die, the world just kind of keeps on moving because they have such a limited reach. And this is what I try to educate people on is you're you're dealing or talking about or, or putting all your feelings into emotions to somebody who really doesn't do much more than outside of their little window, their little umbrella of their reach. And not to say that a musical musician can't have that effect globally or can't have that impact. We look at Princess Diana. She did a lot of philanthropist type things. And she was a princess. She really didn't do anything major outside of being born into a royal family. But she gave back. She did her thing. But going back to the point, it's been two months. This person's been dead for two months. The store in the last two months has made $10 million. Where is that money going to go? Most likely to his estate. If it goes back to the community of Crenshaw, even better. But I'm saying, stop holding on to these false prophets He's been dead. Let it go. People who still complain about Paul Walker, let him go. Brian Dunn, he's been dead for a while. When when all the rage was about that, let him go. These people are making decisions consciously in their lives to do certain things that they want to do. Michael Jackson, for instance, and his drug use. Whitney Houston's another one. Brittany Murphy. All these celebrity deaths or suicides. Kurt Cobain with the shotgun, which is still debatable to this day. All these celebrity deaths and people just absolutely lose their mind. Like there's nobody else in your life more important than these people. And not only are these people more important than any of your family members, they're right up there with probably the top 15 human beings ever to walk this planet. And to me, that's bullshit. There's no way even now that somebody can convince me that Nipsey Hussle is just as important, if not more important than Martin Luther King or Gandhi, or Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa, none of those people. But yet these idiots are out here putting him in murals and just pedestaling him up. And then there's the following that he has that are right there behind them, like, oh man, rest in peace, Nipsey, rest in peace, oh, the greatest ever, the greatest ever. If he was the greatest ever, then why does maybe two to five million people, give or take? That's a rough estimate. But like I said before, we're talking about inner city people who have only really heard of him. Nobody else has heard of this person other than the fact that he was shot. It was a big deal for about a week and a half. And then he died out. And then these people on social media just keep drumming it up, hanging on for dear life. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the man's life whatsoever. He did a lot of good things. He gave more than I could probably ever give. He made music. He, like I said before, was a philanthropist. But in the same sense... That doesn't give him a pass to be put up there with all these people who did a hell of a lot more than he did and were given a lot less. Now, when they're putting him on a pack of backwood 
cigars that are traditionally used for rolling blunts with angel wings, that's backwoods saying, hey, we're copying into the stereotype and we're going to make a play for money. And that's what it's all about. His death was a power play. That's all it was. But instead, we're sitting here two months later crying over Nipsey Hussle's store, closing its brick and mortar store in Crenshaw. Yet they're still taking orders online, making more, the 10 million is still counting. But yet we've got cities like Flint, Michigan, who have had toxic water, toxic water, non-drinkable water for probably close to two or three years now. And nobody's making a big deal about that. Nobody's getting upset about that. Now, I live in the metro Milwaukee area. I grew up outside of Milwaukee, but I was around with the Cryptosporidium outbreak in the early, or the mid-90s, excuse me. And that was a pretty big deal, and the government got involved. But like I'm saying, this is something that's affecting children, people growing up, people's ability to eat and cook. But instead, we're sitting here posting about a celebrity who was shot living the thug life, living up to everything he talked about in his music, who could have gave back to not only just his community, but there's other communities in need. And like I said, Flint, Michigan, I feel for you. Nobody's still helping you. Nobody's reached out to help you, Flint, Michigan. Even the government. I don't know why. But I'm saying, there's other things you can do in life to be a hero. But yet, this guy is being revered as, like, the third or fourth coming of Jesus Christ. And that's how it's being portrayed. If you guys could see some of these photos, you'd look at it and be like, really? And some of the morals that were painted in, in the L.A. area, I can understand. People are going out and getting their airbrushed hoodies and their t-shirts and their nipsy hats. And just, you guys are getting so caught up into one person. And when it comes down to it, you're still forgetting the fact that that person's gone. He's no longer doing anything. And you have to move on. And you have to take the mantle or the base foundation that he created and expand on it. Now, I'm not saying go out and everybody try to be a rapper because that's pretty much what Milwaukee is. Everybody thinks they can rap and they can't. But go out and be a better person in your community. But in the same sense, don't overindulge into somebody's death where two months later, it's affecting your social being. Especially when this person isn't a direct member of your family. They're not even a second or third cousin. They're a celebrity. Now, I've been around death. My Both my grandparents are deceased, and death is not easy. One died the week, or went terminally ill the week of Christmas and New Year's. And then my grandfather got sick the first week of July and was and passed away and was terminally ill the week of 4th of July. So that I get where it's traumatic and things happen and you, you zone in, but these are people I know. These are, these are blood. These are family. And then to top it all off, my best friend was murdered two days after my 26th birthday. My best friend. Like, I told him everything. We did everything together. We worked together. We hung out. Murdered. It's 10 years later, and I have him tattooed on me. It's 10 years later, and yes, that still affects me. Because you want to know why? He was a person that I dealt with every day. and had more of an impact on me than probably anybody I will ever know. Outside of, you know, my mother or my brother. Outside of those two people, probably not. But getting back to the point is that these people are people that were in two or three rings of my actual daily life. They weren't just some random person. And trust me, there's a lot of public figures that have died in my time, have affected me. Stuart Scott, Booyah, Sports Center. He was one of my favorite idols growing up. One of my favorite sportscasters when, when Sports Center really kind of boomed in the 90s. We got Tupac Shakur. He passed away 
in 96, or he was murdered in 96, and I was 13. And we're talking a couple weeks after the Machiavelli album just dropped. And I remember being 13 and walking downtown West Bend to the exclusive company in the rain to get that album. And I remember listening to it going back to Silverbrook Middle School and hearing Toss It Up and getting pumped and all the messages that the other previous Tupac albums had to me as a black teenager growing up in West Bend. And for those of you who don't know, it was a predominantly white community back then. Now it's a little bit less segregated and, you know, more diverse. But me and my brother were the only two real black people that I knew that lived in that city growing up. That was it. So... When he died, it was kind of like a part of my adolescence went with him. I remember having a conversation with my mother, and I'm sitting at the table, and I'm crying, and I'm upset, and I got my CD player there, and I got my headphones and everything, and I got my CD case right there, and she's like, why are you upset? And I said, Tupac's dead, Mom. I said, they, they killed Tupac. This is bullshit. And she put her hand on my arm, and she said, you know what? She said, it's going to be okay. And I looked at her, and I was puzzled. I didn't understand why it was going to be okay. And then she went into explaining that, hey, you've got a lot of people around you in your life that are positive, that you see every day, that are going to be even more influential. And don't let this one person's death, yes, it was tragic. And she said, she even admitted, you know, no young person should die young, period. But she said, don't get too attached. There's more to life than just Tupac Shakur. And from that moment on, I kind of looked at celebrities in a completely different mindset. There's more to life than just Nipsey Hussle. There's more to life than just Paul Walker. There's more to life than Prince or Princess Diana or anybody else who becomes a celebrity. If I become a celebrity, which is less than likely, there's more to life than just me. Now, the people we should be celebrating are the people who run homeless shelters, food pantries, like the Hunger Task Force in Milwaukee. I would celebrate every single one of those people. Anybody who works at the Salvation Army, Goodwill, places that give back to the community actively or work very close hand-in-hand with less fortunate. Anybody who works at a food bank handing out meals or working with disabled veterans. Anybody who goes and just donates time. Those are the people I celebrate. One, because I don't have the extra time to do some of those things. And those people are actually better than me. And I envy them because they give their time to help others. And I commend them for that. Those people to me are real heroes. It has nothing to do with their fame, their notoriety, their education level, where they came from. But those people that I just mentioned, those are real community heroes. Those are the ones that are working every day to make sure that there's people who don't have millions of dollars or celebrity status to elevate them to a level where they're actually wanted in the community. I tip my hat to all those people that do that every day. Without you guys, I don't know where society would be. Probably in a Facebook shamble runes of ridiculousness. But that's for another day. And I'm going to take a break real quick. I'll be right back. And then we're really going to dive into the part that kind of really pissed me off. I'm going to rant for a couple minutes because some people questioned my loyalty to my quote-unquote people. And I was quote-unquote disconnected. So I'll be right back. You guys stay tuned. And then we'll go from there. All right, guys, we are back from the break. So we're diving back in and we're going to touch on this statement that was made to me about not by one person, but two people. And they're both one was white, one was black. And these people told me I was disconnected from not only my quote unquote people, 
but the community in which I live. So, and this is all based on the Nipsey Hustle thing and how I was being disrespectful and not respecting the man's death and this and that. I respect the man's death. I'm going to put this out on record. Everybody's going to hear it. I respect that the man died. I do. But I don't respect is that how people are just going out of their way to make him a false prophet and elevate him to levels that he didn't really actually reach himself while he was alive. He didn't do global things. He didn't affect anybody really outside of Crenshaw, a small community. He affected Crenshaw. If I was a Crenshaw resident, I would be over the moon for Nipsey Hussle. I would. I guarantee you I would. But I'm not. So from the outside looking in, I'm not going to be that person. And for somebody to tell me, and these two people also live in Wisconsin, for them to tell me that I'm disconnected or I don't understand what's going on is absolute bullshit. Let me just give you a quick rundown of who my people are. And we're going to go back to where I grew up. I was born in, born in Milwaukee on the east side. And when I was less than a year, we moved out of the city. We moved to West Bend. From pretty much one year old, 84, to 2001, I grew up in a predominantly white community. There's a lot that goes into that being probably at that time a handful of black people that live there and one of two people who are actually in the school district, the other one being my brother, my older brother, going through there. Let me put into context about the people that I grew up with. And there's a lot of people who are going to listen to this podcast that I've been friends with for close to 33 years, 34, 30, no, 32 years. We'll say 32 that I can remember. Nick Krell, shout out to you. You were probably the first friend I ever had in my life. I'll be 36 in November. We're still friends, and I love you for that. And he's white, and I love that guy. My mom's white, actually. Quick premise, I'm I'm mixed. I'm half black. I'm half white. So growing up in a predominantly white community, I'm going to stand out. My skin is brown. My hair is black. It's curly. I look different. I feel different. I talk different than any of the other kids. Now, there were a lot of good times in my childhood. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I had a great childhood. We had Santa come over to the house one year. My mom surprised us with that. I played Little League. I've done a lot of sports. I made a lot of friends. I was very social in high school. I got to do a lot of things. I had a great, great, great childhood. But on the other hand, there was a lot of the racial incidents that I didn't speak about or didn't talk about. That kind of overcast all that other stuff. And that's not my mother's fault, and I'm never going to blame her for that. Because you know what? She put us in a community that was the best fit for us, me and my brother, to thrive, survive, and be educated. But I grew up in a community, when I was in kindergarten, I was spit on. And if I, if I confronted that person who spit on me today, and I know their name, and I'm not going to put it out there because they were in kindergarten, but if I told them, hey, you spit on me in kindergarten, and this person's Caucasian, like the rest, majority of my classmates, you spit on me because you didn't like who I was. It wasn't, it wasn't even I was doing anything wrong. I remember it exactly as it happened. And it was a tire jungle gym because we're talking early 90s. I'm dating myself. I'm playing. This kid just runs up to me and he looks at me. And I remember saying, hey, how's it going? And I waved him and he spit in my face. You fast forward 30 years later. I guarantee you that person is completely different. But the baseline, the context of what he did back then was, was irreparable. We fast forward, I get a little older, we're moving towards middle school. People start figuring out what the N-word is, and I've been called every racial derogatory term for a black male that has ever been said. And I'm not going to say them on this podcast, because quite frankly, just by saying them just makes them even worse. It's pointless. I feel it's pointless, because they've all been said, they've all been heard, so you guys know. 
But I'm not even in middle school. I'm 10 years old. I'm a child. And these are the names that are being called to me when I go to get my lunch, when I line up for recess, when I want to join a team or be picked for social activities amongst my peers. So now, as we fast forward to graduation, you know, I get to high school and everything's gravy. Everything's gravy. You know, life's moving forward. I'm going to, you know, we're going to move. We're, we're doing different things. I'm starting to understand what the world is. But I also don't forget what happened. Being that person and growing up in that community, are white people, quote unquote, my people? I don't think they are. They haven't treated me like their people. If I was their people, they would have respected me. They wouldn't have done those things to me. And I would have been more accepted early on by my people. And genetically, I am their people. I'm half their people. I would have been accepted by them, but I wasn't. So we're going to fast forward real quick into my 20s, my early 20s. We went to move to Madison in my early, like when I was 18, I moved to Madison with family and that was great. Loved it. Lived in the Madison area for about three or four years. Came back, had some children, moved to Milwaukee. And now I'm starting to live in the city of Milwaukee, which is well diverse. And I'm not new to this because I've lived in Madison. I've been around a little bit more diverse cultures and I like that. That's why I moved back to Milwaukee and I start observing and interacting with black people black people now this is the other half of the spectrum i'm half white half black i'm like all right well now i really can kind of see what i missed out on by living where i lived or growing up where i did because i didn't have the choice and that's fine so as i'm working and living in milwaukee i really start to get a disdain for the other half of me the, the the black america and i and i say this because every time i would try to talk to somebody they'd be like oh you're a traitor i'm like what they i'd be called uncle tom a traitor a false flagger all these derogatory terms a punk ass bitch like i would be called everything because i speak fluently i i, I understand english language I didn't grow up axing or fixing or finagana. I I didn't talk like that. I didn't talk like them. I didn't look like them. I didn't act like them. So now my quote unquote people who I physically look like skin tone wise wasn't accepting of who I am. And to this day, it's very hard to sit here and have conversations with either side of the racial spectrum and understand them completely because as a grown adult, I'm not accepted by black America. And quite frankly, I'm okay with that. And I'm not accepted by white America. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being me. And the reason why I don't sit here and, oh, well, I need to be white or I need to be black or I'm, you know, this is who my people are. My people are the people I associate with every day. They don't have a skin tone. They don't have an outfit they don't have a look they don't have a feel they're the people that i talk to every day i don't care if you speak spanish and no english but you understand me you're my people i don't care if you have three teeth in your mouth and your skin is purple and you have one eye you're my people if we can get along and coexist as human beings you're my people so for me to sit here and be called a traitor or i don't understand people or i don't understand diversity is bullshit And it's funny because I sat back and watched white people my entire childhood life up until the age 18 
act like black people were inferior and they didn't understand what they were doing or couldn't handle responsibilities or tasks or weren't trustworthy because of past digressions. And then as I get to adulthood, I sit here and I try to associate and understand the people that I generally and historically and genetically are linked with. And black people are just like, no, we don't want you. You don't understand our struggle. You don't know where we come from. You're not our people. You're just an Uncle Tom out here false flagging. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and play devil's advocate. There's two sides to each story. And, you know, being mixed, it's difficult because I see things that white people do. And I find absolutely appalling the fact that some people, the Caucasian race, still think that it's okay to have, quote unquote, white privilege or do things or feel that other races are inferior because of the color of their skin. That's absolutely bullshit. And I commend them because they take the time to get educated and go to college and put emphasis on schooling into their children at an early age. But don't forget about the diversity and inclusion part. Don't forget to show your children that it's okay to be different and have different views and different opinions. Don't be closed minded. That's all I'm saying. Now, when it comes to the black community, this is where it gets a little dicier. I, I really don't have a lot of patience for what they're coming up with. Black America could be one of the greatest places to be anywhere in the world. But we spend, as black America, and this is everywhere. This is not anything I'm making up. This is something you'd go to any major city in any inner city, and you could see it clear as day. It's, it's on full display. It's in the way we think, it's the way we act socially, it's the way we act on social media, everything. Media, sports, the whole big deal. Our biggest concerns in black America are about being seen, what we look like, and how much money we can make. Now, on the same token, we're not interested in about getting educated and understanding what our role is or breaking generational barriers or bad behaviors that our predecessors or our previous generations have done. So if you want to be upset because things have happened, don't go out and burn down your community, which happened in Milwaukee a couple years ago with the Black Lives Matter movement. Don't sit here and say Black Lives Matter and then go burn down a community where black people live and burn down businesses where black people shop. That's, that's being a hypocrite. You're sitting here saying, oh, we're being oppressed, oppressed, but then you turn around and destroy the community where you live. And it's funny to me because I didn't see these things growing up because the community where I lived with white people didn't burn down the community when things happened or didn't go their way. They actually educated themselves, they found problems, they found solutions, and they implemented those solutions to solve those problems. They didn't go out and riot or do die-ins, or make t-shirts, or hand gestures, or fists, or any of that. Because they knew what it would take to fix the issue. But instead, black America as a whole, we're more worried about getting reparation checks for slavery that happened almost two, three hundred years ago. Or complaining about being oppressed, but not doing enough to educate our youth on how to not be oppressed, and in turn letting our kids go wander the streets and sell drugs and hustle and be okay with the fact that they think that being an athlete or a rapper is the end-all be-all. 
and I've got news for you. It's not going to happen. Not everybody's going to grow up to be an NBA ball player or play in the NFL or have a platinum record. Yeah, that's a great hobby, just like this podcast is a hobby. I'm not expecting to, to win Tony Awards or Grammy Awards or Podcast of the Year, but I'm a realist. Like, I understand I'm doing this because it's fun to me. I'm not making it the cornerstone of my life. I'm not dropping out of high school or disregarding any kind of formal education because I want to be a podcaster or I want to make money or I want to hustle. When it comes down to it, black America needs to get their head in textbooks instead of music and social media and everything else. Get your head back into your communities, rebuild those, regrow those. That's why you see a lot of people have disdain towards the inner city because they're run down and the generations just keep going and going and going in the same direction. And nobody's taking the initiative to say, hey, we really need to get these kids on track to better the community, to present a better image. But they're out here rocking Rock Revival jeans. $130 jeans. $200 pair of Jordans. $65 hoodie or t-shirt. And can't afford a car. Don't know how to write their name in cursive. Probably don't even have a bank account. Don't have a credit score. Don't even know what a credit score is used for. Can't even speak English properly to get a good paying job. But yet that's the white person's fault and that's their fault. So I don't, I don't know. So as you can see, I have issues with both sides. And this is why I think it's funny how I'm quote unquote disconnected from my people. And actually I'm really in tuned on how each side of my people, whether it's the white half of me or the black half of me, act in this world. And both of them act like complete idiots. And that's why I choose to disassociate and disenfranchise from both sides. Yes, do I have black friends? Absolutely. Yes, do I have white friends? Absolutely. But you're not seeing me go wholeheartedly into one cause because both of them are sitting here making absolute fools of themselves on an everyday basis. And it's sad because... When it comes down to it to me, I'm a human, I'm a humanist. I'm a human beingist. I'm pro-human. I don't look at skin tone. I don't look at race. I don't look at color creed. It's like all the things that you would look for when applying for a job, the Equal Opportunity Act, the EOA. And if you're not sure what the EOA is, go check it out. You can't discriminate for these reasons. That's a pretty good way to live. So for people to tell me I, I'm disconnected on people and this and that, well, I'm not disconnected. I'm very connected and I'm very, very keyed in on how ignorant people are. And people don't like the fact that when I call them out on ignorancy or being ignorant, they don't like it. They just, they want to say, oh, you're just, you know, they deflect. They deflect from the fact that I called their ignorancy out and they don't like it. And that's what it comes down to because they want to believe in something because it's been socially ingrained into them. And I'm saying, Hey, time out guys. This isn't something that we should be putting on a pedestal or this isn't something that we should be dedicating our lives to. They have a problem with that. I'm sorry. I will never ever dedicate myself to a musician, a sports athlete, a government official, a you know celebrity of any type because i know what they're capable of the history has shown that these people are not trustworthy or 
conduct themselves in ways that are not detrimental to not only themselves, but to the communities that they work in or thrive in. But yet we sit here and put them on such a huge pedestal. For what reason? We give them the world and they don't give the world back to us. But to wrap up the podcast, I just want to summarize. For people to say I'm disconnected, it's absolutely false. I'm well aware of what both sides of the spectrum that makes me... I'm well aware of what they do. I'm well aware of what they're capable of. And I see the potential in both. And quite frankly, white America, black America, you guys are underselling yourselves. And when you put false idols into power and prominence, that's when you fail yourselves. Start investing back into your communities. Start getting involved and seeing those people, those figureheads that run, like I said before, the food pantries and everything else. Those are our real heroes of the community. The people who volunteer at volunteer fire departments and soup kitchens and everything else. Be a part of that. Be hyped about that. Celebrate when one of those people die. Don't sit here and put a part-time philanthropist who wants to donate a percentage of their money and their time because they're quote-unquote a celebrity and too busy. Don't celebrate them. Celebrate the people who give every day of their life to making other people better, not just a small group of people around them. And as we wind down, I just want to reiterate again, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Nobody ever deserves to have their life taken before the clock of natural life takes it. You did a lot of good things in Crenshaw. You've touched a lot of people, and I appreciate that. Don't ever let my thoughts diminish anything you've done you've done a lot for you know the city of crenshaw and i hope those people really benefit from some of those things you've done and on that note we're going to wind it up pack it up set it down i just want to thank everybody for coming in and listening and enjoying the podcast if you guys like it rate it subscribe give me your feedback you guys can definitely hit me up on twitter at tk from wisco with ideas and thoughts definitely follow on the instagram as well I want to thank Sticker, CultureShop.com, one more time for sponsoring the podcast. EJ, I appreciate you. You've been a great help in this process. I love you, brother. To those of you guys who are out there working and grinding this week, grind on, make that money. Parents out there, love your kids. Like Bob Barker said, get your dog spayed or neutered. Other than that, enjoy the weather. Everybody be safe. And until next episode, peace.